0: You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, The Fox and the Hedgehog.
1: Tuesday. As of late, I've begun doing push-ups, but not with any kind of regularity or schedule. I push up whimsically, spontaneously, and most often as a function of my own guilt. For instance, after a plate of pork ribs, I'll drop to the floor and give myself 20. I'll then get up and finish my beer, feeling relatively at peace. This system has been working just fine, until I made the ill-advised decision to switch to hand clapping push-ups. As a result of this showboating, I've begun experiencing chest pain. It's a dull throbbing that sneaks up on me anywhere from 5 to 10 times a day. And each time it hits, my first thought is my heart is breaking. This forces me to experience whatever I'm doing at the time, cleaning my bathtub drain or spreading chopped liver onto a veggie burger as an activity full of heartbreaking poignancy. In these moments, the pain is like an exclamation mark, bringing to my immediate experience an urgency and force that reawakens me to the world. In its way, a false heart attack is like a Buddhist bell, calling you back to reality. Reality. Wednesday. The evening finds me squatting in front of a gumball machine while cursing. I have inserted a quarter and nothing has happened. And as much as I assure myself that my outrage is not about the money, but about the broken social compact, I still cannot help feeling that bear-hugging a gumball machine on my knees might actually be the first thing I've discovered in quite some time to be truly beneath my dignity. As I'm locked in this age-old primordial drama, I find myself wondering... Who would be the perfect person to walk by at this moment? And by perfect, of course, I mean the worst. An old school teacher who expected greatness from me? An ex-girlfriend's father who never could stand my guts? When I was a kid, my parents had a needlepoint of Moses. In it, he's giving the commandments to the children of Israel. Despite many important moments in Moses' life, that one is probably the signature one. I cannot help but think that right here, cursing, rocking, and squatting might be mine. As I continue to work, my finger now crammed deep up the gum hole, I cannot avoid thinking about what this would look like as needlepoint. Friday. I have not left the house in two days. I look out the window... Happy for the nice weather, intending to go out, but never getting around to it. Finally, I am driven out of doors due to an alarmingly low supply of martini olives. As I walk to the grocery store, I catch sight of myself in a store window. I look like a live action version of Pig Pan from Peanuts. This is confirmed by two pamphleteering Greenpeace workers who allow me to walk past them without a single word. When I return home, I find a postcard in the mailbox from Hetty, who's in England. It's of an elephant swimming underwater, using its nose as a snorkel. I pin it to the wall above my desk. I can't help thinking that the elephant looks like he's smiling, like he's pleasantly surprised to have stepped into an impossible world where he is as light as smoke. Perhaps he is willing himself to believe that he'll never have to leave that he can live among the fish for as long as he likes. But somewhere deep down, he must know that eventually, leave he must. I am not unlike that elephant, content to abandon elephanthood until the olives run out. Sunday. Lee tells me that according to the Greek philosopher Archilochus, People are either foxes or hedgehogs. Foxes, Starley says, know a little about a lot of things. And hedgehogs know a lot about one big thing. Also, she says, hedgehogs like sticking their heads in toilet paper tubes. It's called tubing. Starley then tells me that Shakespeare was a fox, but Proust was a hedgehog. And that she's a fox, but I'm a classic hedgehog. What's the one big thing I know, I ask. Starley's not sure what to reply, and as she tries to think of an answer that won't hurt my feelings, I find myself wondering what Archilochus would call someone who knows nothing about nothing, perhaps a perfect vice presidential candidate.
2: See, I am a fox.
1: What what makes you a fox?
2: Because when I'm at parties, I'm the person who can always kind of throw out trivia that gets the real conversation rolling.
1: And that's something that a fox does.
2: Well, I don't know. I only know surface knowledge, not real, not real. I don't have any real wisdom. And so I can't stick around for long. I mean, I never read any other. I mean, the only thing I know about Archilochus is that he had that one sentence. I go, A hedgehog would have stumbled upon this theory and then read the entire collected works of Archilochus. But me, I didn't even finish reading the entire page. I stopped at that sentence.
1: You gleaned enough knowledge and then you moved on.
2: Yeah, I've really been running with it ever since.
1: All right, so, so let's imagine that we're at one of these parties where you're being all foxy, okay? Yeah. And we're, we're being introduced. Yeah. And you'll, you'll demonstrate some of your magic, okay? All right. Um, Hi. How do you do?
2: I'm Starly. Did you know that in Science of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter doesn't blink the entire time in the entire movie?
1: Is that true?
2: Yeah. Fascinating, right?
1: That's an actual fact.
2: It's a foxy fact, yes. But I mean, I got a million of them. Doesn't it make you want to go watch the movie again and see? From there, the conversation would go into why isn't Jodie Foster around anymore? Why is not she done any movies? She was such like a cute kid, stuff like that. Is she a lesbian? It's just endless.
1: Uh huh. And okay, so keep going. And then what? And then what? More, what else would you have?
2: Maybe I would move to another crowd and say, "Do you know what the last words that Walt Disney wrote were?"
1: What what were they
2: Kurt Russell are you kidding? no, it's real, and Kurt Russell doesn't even know why he was shown that years later, and he had no idea he even he was confused.
1: He was on his deathbed. And he asked for a notepad and then wrote down the words "Kurt Russell" and then died. First of all, you're
2: asking—that's a hedgehog. You're you're doing a follow-up. I don't know anything about that. I would have I would have scooted out of it by now. Like I got to move quickly, like a fox. Yeah. Because I don't want people to ask me follow-up questions. Then all the magic goes away. Then I I get found out.
1: So I mean, but just in in party situations. You it know. doesn't seem a little awkward sometimes or a bit of a non sequitur when you pop your head in and you say something like, hey, did you know that cottage cheese isn't actually made in cottages or, what, or something like that?
2: I would never say
1: that. Well, no, I mean, I'm just making something up. But, I would never. Right. But, I mean, it, people don't look at you and say, well, no, we were just talking about the elections.
2: No, because they're so like they it catches themselves off guard, and they do what you did, really. And they don't, they have no time to wonder why I've done that.
1: Yeah, I mean it just totally blew my mind. So who 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 are some who are some examples of of uh, foxes? Let's
2: see, Shakespeare. Yeah, because he could write tragedy and comedy, and courtroom thrillers, and um, Einstein with a fox.
1: Einstein, I mean, seemed to know a lot about a lot. I mean, doesn't that seem kind of hedgehoggy?
2: No, hedgehogs only know one thing.
1: And can can you think of any great uh, great hedgehogs to give examples of? Better, like someone that Louis would...
2: Pasteur, hedgehog. Yeah, just sat around pasteurizing that petri dish. That's true. And then, um, oh, and then the, the whoever the guy is who invented the, the little piece of plastic on the end of the shoelace. You know what that's called? No. It's called an Anglet, and uh, it took a hedgehog to do it. Mm-hmm. Looking down at his feet all the time, all shy. Dick, Bob Newhart is a hedgehog. What makes him a hedgehog? He played the same role for, for his entire career. He just had one long deadpan stare that spanned three decades. He started off with the Bob Newhart show, then he went to Newhart, and then he finally, his last show was called Bob. That's how much of a hedgehog he is.
1: Right. Well, I I like Bob Newhart. I've always liked Bob Newhart.
2: Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. why do you say...? Go figure. It takes a hedgehog to know a hedgehog.
1: Oh, and you think I'm a hedgehog. Why?
2: Are we really going to do this? Okay, fine. Uh, Mm -hmm. The only thing I don't know is what the one thing you know is, but I, I, I have a feeling it has something to do with just not... the ability to not have fun. Like you are very good at knowing not how not to have fun,
1: and that's that's knowledge.
2: It's become a sort of knowledge. Yeah, you are very wise when it comes to not having fun.
1: That's not a compliment. I'm sorry to tell you,
2: you're not looking at it right. You, mm-hmm. The way you do it, you've taken it to. You know, it's like a martial art.
1: But that's like anti knowledge. I mean, what you're saying is that I'm not versatile. That's not that's not complimentary. No, it no, seems like... no.
2: It is, you don't understand. Like the way you approach it, I it actually impresses me. It does. Like I just never we went to that water park together mm-hmm. and you somehow you didn't get wet somehow. Even I when you were standing next to the slides, the water seemed to go nowhere near you. And you just and you were wearing that long overcoat and you and you and reading a book the entire time. It was, it was it just, chilly. I don't know. I just there's something it's almost like a force field that's around you. But it's not an accident. It's something that you've spent your entire life cultivating.
1: Right, but I mean, so what you're saying is that you're, is it, are, are, are foxes born or made? I mean, I could go to parties, I could start becoming more foxy. No,
2: no, no, no. We are, no. Well, of course we I can. born either a fox or a hedgehog. No, I could if read a book of, of trivia
1: guy. and, and here, uh... No, no, no. Um, no. Uh, no. Hey, did you, fact, did you, yeah. did you, did you know that the word corduroy comes from cour de roi, the material of kings? Kings used to wear corduroy. I would say to that someone may be wearing a corduroy blazer get the party going.
2: Well, who's wearing corduroy blazer? Where, where would you meet the corduroy blazer? I,
1: I own a corduroy blazer.
2: Yeah, you spend a lot of time by yourself in that corduroy blazer. But you going to say it to yourself in the mirror? Look, Jonathan, there's no shame in being a hedgehog. I personally wouldn't want to be one, but that's because I'm a fox.
1: And foxes don't want to be hedgehogs. hedgehogs.
2: Hedgehogs do want to be foxes, but they can't.
3: that vinegar smell that you have
1: look I, I don't want to hear this right no, you I'm, know I'm, I'm talking I'm, about
3: the way your house and your car all have that smell I'm, from you I'm,
1: I'm not in a great mood
3: what's the matter we're not rocking with Johnny tonight
1: I just got off the phone with Starley, and she was sharing with me this whole philosophy about how people break down into either foxes or hedgehogs and she's a fox and I'm a hedgehog and hedgehogs are yeah I know fun. everyone
3: knows the hedgehog fox so big deal what you don't like what she picked for
1: you I'm a hedgehog is,
3: hedgehog? is that the news
1: that I'm a hedgehog, yeah, of all things. Yeah, I
3: would say you're a hedgehog, but I don't see why that's a bad thing. A hedgehog is an animal everybody loves. Did they do? Didn't James Bond, didn't he have like one of those attaché cases with a hole poked in it so the hedgehog could breathe and he always had his hedgehog with him?
1: You're, you're just being mean. I'm not being mean. I'm not, Hedgehogs I, are
3: very welcome in the casinos of Monte Carlo for Baccarat.
1: She wasn't talking about a literal hedgehog. She was talking about a personality type.
3: Your personality is nothing like a hedgehog. I don't know what she's talking about. But you kind of look a little bit like a hedgehog.
1: How am I like a hedgehog? You
3: know when you get, like, weepy and you curl up on the floor in a fetal position and you start crying? I don't... You kind of look like a hedgehog. I've I've never... I I, ever mentioned that to you? I've never... you you have no self-awareness. That's why you need friends to point it out for you.
1: Yeah, friends.
3: That is your personality assessment. This is like a Jungian archetype. Right. Have you heard of those personality tests, inventory tests, tests like... See if you're crazy, mm-hmm. see how, what job you're suited for, yeah. test your IQ. Have you ever taken a Wexler-Bellevue intelligence test? No. Or a Myers-Briggs? No. You know what? If you took a Johnson O'Connor, I bet you would fail the wiggly blocks. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that whole thing about hedgehogs and foxes is nonsense. Let me give you a personality test that matters. This is a real one.
1: And, 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 and whose personality test is this, may I ask? It's
3: mine. I made up this personality test. It's the Ehrlich test. And if you're lucky, I might append your name to, like, the Ehrlich-Goldstein test. So far, i got five questions.
1: Uh-huh. Five questions.
3: Five questions tell me everything I need to know about you. Okay. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Question number one. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite color?
1: Uh, uh, green,
3: I guess. Did you say green? Yeah. Okay. Wrong.
1: How could that be wrong?
3: Okay. Argumentative? Defensive? Let's move to question number what two. I,
1: what are you talking about?
3: What I'm talking about is it's not what you answer the question. It's how you answer. It's how you react to my response to your answer.
1: You didn't know. I didn't understand that.
3: This is a personality test. I don't care what your favorite color is, you hedgehog. Okay. You didn't understand. Why would I care what color
1: you like? What
3: am I, painting your room? What do I look like, an interior decorator?
1: Can we move on to question number two, please?
3: That was actually question number two just now. What was? i was assessing what would happen on the follow-up to your favorite color if i was a decorator and, and and you got impatient you scored very low on the patient scale it was less than 10 seconds and you wanted to move on by the way in case you're curious how you're doing midstream here you're doing very badly
1: why am i not surprised
3: question number three yeah you find yourself in a room no doors windows solid high walls and the ceiling is covered mm-hmm. how do you get out
1: Uh, mm.
3: And you have no fingernails So you can't claw your way out And you have no teeth And there's nothing in the room with you You're naked
1: I don't know, I I mean, I guess I just sit down and wait, I suppose
3: You sit down and wait That's your strategy, how you're going to get out?
1: Well, I, I mean, I just have to assess the situation You assess the situation? Well, I don't want to expend all my energy And there might be a limited supply of oxygen
3: I just told you what you have to do You have to get out of the room
1: all right, fine, but I mean, maybe
3: assess the situation.
1: What are you going to assess? Well, I, I just have to, you know, figure figure it. I mean, you know, sometimes solutions present themselves.
3: What do you think? There's a mouth slot. I just told you it's a solid room. There's no solutions going to present itself. So there
1: you go. I mean, so maybe it's futile to struggle. Maybe you just have to sit down and accept your situation. Maybe make a life for myself in the room. I don't know.
3: That's your solution.
1: Well, I I mean, until something better came along.
3: Well, congratulations. I never got an answer that was so bad can we move on to the fifth question we're
1: not even at the fourth question yet
3: I just asked you another question that was the fourth question
1: can we move on to the fifth fifth question that's the fourth question
3: yes you did badly on it I didn't okay it's time for the fifth question uh huh are you there
1: yeah that was the fifth question that Uh, overall wait wait a second what was that supposed to demonstrate it's the most fundamental existential
3: question that philosophers have been wrestling with for the last thousand
1: years what else would someone answer
3: I don't know. Have you ever read Heidegger? Have you ever read? I've Nietzsche? read. Yes. I. Have you ever read Plato? Have you ever read Socrates? I don't. They all had fascinating and wonderful things to say on the subject of "Am I here or not?" Descartes got a whole business going out of the whole business. That
1: that whole thing that was completely valueless.
3: You know, you've got an attitude problem. You I be... I do. Yes. You should get down on all four little furry hedgehog legs of yours. And thank God that you achieved the rank of hedgehog. The rank. Because you could have done a lot worse, pal. Oh, yeah. You could have done much, much worse. Mm-hmm. I could see you as a, as a slime-covered newt Crawling underneath a rock, living under some rotted leaves. There is no newt. Filthy, disgusting newt. It's not. The hedgehog is like a a god to the newt. He's like the lord of newts. And yet you make hedgehog. You earn hedgehog, and what do you do? You walk around saying, Oh, this isn't good enough for me. I want to be a fox. I don't think you deserve to be a hedgehog. I personally would have rated you more like a raisin. That's
1: not even an animal. Alligator, hedgehog, and
3: eater bear, rattlesnake, buffalo, anaconda, hare, bullfrog, woodchuck, wolverine, goose. Whippoorwill, chipmunk, jackal, moose, mud turtle, whale, glowworm, back. salamander, snail, and a Maltese cat. House rat, toe, rat, white bear, doe, chickadee, peacock, bubbling and foam.
1: Hello. Hi, is this Myrtle Rennick? This is she. I was calling because uh, I was trying to find a medium for yeah, my radio yeah. show, and and I because I thought it would be fun to have someone who could channel. Uh, famous historical figures on the air, and I've looked into about a dozen or so, uh-huh. and and it seems like your services are are by far the cheapest. Well, of course, like like by half. Why why is that?
0: Well, I'll tell you. You know, I have a gift. Yeah, and I don't see what the point of gouging people's wallets. To use my gift, I don't. I don't see the point of that. So what I do is I charge people for, you know, just sort of like overhead, just to get by, just mm-hmm. to live.
1: And how long have you been doing this kind of thing?
0: For about thirty-six years now.
1: And and so, uh, can you give me like a roster of like some of the some of the biggies that you channel? Some of the big names from history.
0: Sure. You know who uh, Genghis Khan.
1: Yeah, of course. You you do Genghis Khan
0: no no but i've um I've channeled his brother in law harvey Ooh,
1: who I, I, okay that's
0: not his he I, has I, a different name um but I can't pronounce it, so I call him harvey uh-huh. I've also worked with uh Harriet Tubman's stepdaughter Inga mm-hmm. and then um Napoleon's Taylor is a buddy of mine he's also coincidentally first name is Napoleon. Is that so? But his last name is not Bonaparte; it's Rousseau.
1: I'm I, I'm just noticing, like as you're actually like r- running down the uh, the list of people that you talk to, it, it sort of feels like they're kind of adjacent to the big names. I mean, is there do you do any A-listers?
0: You know, I mean, I've tried to work with the greats. Yeah, believe me, but I have found that they are impossible to work with. Not to mention someone who's a Napoleon or a Genghis Khan Mm. or a Joan of Arc, for example. Those people have have had their time in the limelight, and I've always been much more attracted to the underdog. um, People who are just sort of eking out an existence.
1: I mean, I guess I was sort of hoping to get more of a, a, a name, like a brand celebrity, historical figure.
0: Well... You know, in some ways, you get what you pay for.
1: Well, all, all right, fine. So, I mean, who 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 have you got? I mean, who?
0: Well, um, you've heard of Abraham Lincoln.
1: But what what do you do? His like haberdasher no, no, or his, something? His
0: his gardener.
1: His gardener. Yeah, right, I see. What else you got?
0: Uh, you know, Joan of Arc.
1: The, oh yeah, sure.
0: Well, I I work with uh, her sister Nancy, of Arc. Nancy. Yeah. And uh, uh, you know, I have to tell you honestly. She happens to be pretty interesting, actually.
1: All right, fine. Sure, let's 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 do Nancy of Arc. Okay. Um, so, well, what, I mean, you could just do it like that? I mean, you could just yank her out?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I have to put myself into the trance. Oh, I see. So, Jonathan, before I begin to channel Nancy, mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to let you know she's a little bit touchy because, you know, she's used to everyone always wants to know about Joan. Mm-hmm. So, if I were you, what I would do is sort of pussyfoot around, you know, maybe ask her some questions about herself first. Uh-huh. She was a laundress, and she has all sorts of interesting things to say about that. hmm You know, and, there, and, and, and also, she just has great stories about the younger brother. She grew tomatoes.
1: Right, but, I mean, obviously, I mean, the thing that's most interesting is to, I mean, is to be able to talk about, you know, her sister Joan of Arc, right?
0: I'm not saying don't ask about Joan. I'm just right. saying... Sort of be be diplomatic and, and ask about her life as well, you right. know.
1: Right. Okay, I'll just be tactful.
0: Let me see if she's around, all right?
1: Sure, that'd be great. You think this is gonna be like how long do you think you're gonna be doing this for?
0: Shut your file. Jana Jabar yeah. Hello? Myrtle? No, this is Nancy. How can I help you?
1: You sound just like uh Excuse me? Nancy of Arc.
0: Yes, this is she.
1: Alright, this is Jonathan Goldstein. I uh I understand you uh you like doing laundry.
0: Yeah, I actually I've developed quite a uh Technique.
1: Oh, is that so? That's.
0: I try to use clean water rather than dirty water to clean the clothing.
1: Clean water to clean...
0: Fresh water rather than stuff that I've already bathed in and so on.
1: Oh, I see. C- can I ask you a question? Sure. You're the sister of uh, Joan. Yes. Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc. Your sister. Yes. She's done some pretty fabulous things.
0: She was no saint. She wasn't. She wasn't a well person.
1: Yeah, you, you, you mean with the hearing voices and the hearing visions. Hearing
0: voices and this, she had this crazy outfit that she wore. She had a horrible haircut. I mean, she was a nutball. You know, she was so focused on her. It was all me, me, me. I think you guys have a, a modern day performer named Cher.
1: You, the singer, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's what Joan was like.
1: Was like Cher.
0: Yeah, sort of crazy dress stands out, you know. Um. Right. You,
1: and how do, how how do you know about Cher?
0: Sometimes Myrtle channels me when VH1 is on, mm-hmm. and then I I learn about modern culture.
1: Uh uh-huh, You and Myrtle. Yeah. Right. Well, so so she was sort of like Cher. Well, I mean, but what about what about the heroism?
0: The heroism. On
1: on 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 the battlefield.
0: You know. I mean, whatever. I think. Everyone had a job, you know? So she was heroic. She fought some people. I did laundry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What I'm saying is that it's a group effort. You know, if she mm-hmm. didn't have someone taking care of her, she would have perished, you know, years before. Someone had to, to stick around and do the laundry, you know? I mean, and she's the one who gets all of this credit. Yeah, I think it's it's people like myself or like Myrtle, for example, it's it's people like us who really, we're the backbone of society and of history. And we're not the ones who are saving countries or being burned at the stake or channeling big names. But just because we're flying under the radar does not mean that we're not worthy of of people's interest.
1: I, I, I mean, I think I, I sort of hear what you're saying. In fact, have you ever heard of this uh, this theory about foxes and hedgehogs?
0: No. Well, like uh, it's, it seems like I mean, people like
1: you and, and Myrtle and, and me actually are are sort of more kind of the hedgehogs of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, the hedgehogs are the ones that kind of know a lot about.
0: Wiretap Today, you heard Starley Kine, Gregor Ehrlich, and Shayna Feinberg. Wiretap is produced by Jonathan Goldstein with Mira Bertwin Tonic and Carolyn Warren. Production assistance from Crystal Duhaim. Tune into Wiretap Sunday at 1, 4 Pacific Time, and Wednesday evening at 11.30. Reach us to our website at cbc.ca slash wiretap.